Welcome to the ministry of the International Christian Assembly in Southeast Spain. We are here for the purpose of worshipping God and reaching others with love. We pray that as you listen, you will be inspired and challenged in your walk with God. Well, again, good morning to everyone. It is the Christmas season. And uh, it's still, for me at least, it's still the time to be reading the Christmas story. Now, the month goes by quickly. It only comes once a year. And we always try to take time to relook at these uh, well-known but are obviously very wonderful passages in the New Testament and the Old Testament, different places. So I was thinking as I was reading, you know, something that something different would sort of hit me, uh, or at least something fresh, right? How do you look at the Christmas story and try to walk away with something fresh, right? It's especially if you've been reading it for a very long time. But um, I did. And I, I just want to share at least one word out of this whole thing with you on this uh, Sunday of peace. So, you know, the Testament it kind of opens up in an explosive, amazing, marvelous sort of way. It's the story that unfolds um, in, its, uh, in its interesting ways, has assigned these certain scales. For example, in the Old Testament, it had been 500 years since there had been a miracle that they had written into the books. There had been 400 years since the last time an angel had ever spoken to anyone. 400 years since the last time God had spoken to his people. So this testament opens with a movement of supernatural activity. God tells us in its first passages things that only he knew, that only he knew. So let's pray and let's look into God's word. Father, thank you that we are here today and that we get to open your word and again celebrate, Father, this season. Speak to our hearts, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> First, there was Gabriel came to uh, Zechariah the priest and to Elizabeth and um, he tells them that they're going to have a son and that they will call his name John even though she is sterile. And there had been no Johns in his family. Soon they will find out boy will fulfill prophecy. Six months later, Gabriel again appears in Galilee in a little town called Nazareth to a home of a young virgin named Miriam or Mary. The angel 
tells her that she is favored among women. We're going to read verse 30 to 33 again. That God will be with her and that she will conceive. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive a womb and bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great. And will be called the son of the most high. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. It is the most amazing, wonderful, shocking words ever spoken to a young woman. A virgin. The Old Testament, this word is woman of marriable age. It's not the word virgin. It's woman of a marriable age. It's a, you know, the doubters. I see it doesn't say virgin in the Old Testament, you know, blah, blah, blah. You ever heard what Mary said? You know, how could this be? I'm a woman of marriageable age. Doesn't nah, doesn't sound right, right? She said, "I'm a virgin." You will have a son. How old was Mary? Well, we don't really know. You know, we always shoot towards the younger age. But she obviously, at this point, was able. She was a woman, right? She had come into motherhood, into womanhood, and could be a mother. Verse 32, we'll reread that again. Let me quote it to you. It says, he will be great. And that's what caught my attention. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, David. And that's the title for our message today. He will be great. That word great, it's the word for glorious. Now, if you would have read, if we would have started reading a little earlier, we would have read verse 15. It's the coming of uh, John the Baptist. And if we're paying attention, because I know when you read, you pay attention, you would have said to me, wait, hold it. It does say the same thing about another guy, that he was going to be great. Ah, let me show you. Verse 15, speaking of John the Baptist, it says, For he was great before the Lord. That's not the same. Let me show you why. See, his greatness is dependent on God. In other words, it is ascribed to him. In the eyes of God, he is great. That is what we call um, glory added or imputed. This is what you say about your cat, kind of, in a sense. So no, don't, I'm not calling John the Baptist. You know, you think your cat is great because you impute honor and greatness to your cat. But your neighbor, whose plants get eaten up by your cat, and who sort of uses the planter for, you know, that neighbor doesn't think he's great. So this is called greatness imputed, greatness added. So God says that in the eye, the 
It says, in the eyes of God, John would be great. Ah, but verse 32 doesn't say that. It simply says, he will be great and will be called. That is, his greatness is the, uh, the in essence of this child. He will be great. In essence, in nature, he will be great. The greatness of Jesus unfolds as his life unfolds. His teaching was different from all others. No man spoke like he did, they say of them, of him. No man taught like this, they said of him. No man had the understanding, the true understanding of God to the degree that this man had. And we see it from the age of 12 onward as he finds himself seated with teachers, the Dadaskalas, and he is teaching them his miracles. His miracles testified of his glory and his greatness. He raised dead, he fed thousands, he walked on water, he healed, he had uh, uh, authority over darkness, he caused demons to be cast out. He rose from the dead and with his power he broke the chains of death and the grave as he came back to life. He was the greatest among those born. He will be great. Angels, miracles, revelations, prophecies, all spoke of how God invaded time and history in a momental kind of way, whilst the great truths of the New Testament were beginning to unfold. So what defines his greatness? Now, I know that today is Communion Sunday, and I'm very well aware of that, so we're going to just keep it short. We'll probably only have time for one of our points today. Point number one, what defines his greatness? He is God. That defines his greatness. He is God. The child in the manger is God. Verse 32 again says, he will be great and will be called the son of the most high. Now, the most high, that is a title ascribed to Yahweh. Now, uh, if um, you knew your Old Testament a little better in Hebrew and so on, you would know that in Genesis chapter 14, there is this dialogue, very important dialogue, between the priest Melchizedek, priest of the most high God, and Abraham. And uh, he, uh, Melchizedek is described as the priest of the most high God. And not only that, 
But in the dialogue all the way through uh, verse 24, you hear this expression, the, 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 the most high God. And so to a Hebrew, it was clear that expression, El Elyon, was being ascribed to the Messiah, to the child that would be born in the manger. Luke, Jesus, excuse me, has the same essence as God the Father. I am the son of my father and I carry his characteristics and nature. That would be an expression of what is called Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3 says, He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact print or representation of his nature. The radiance of his glory. The exact representation of his nature. Luke tells us that he is the Lord of the Sabbath. That he is his father, that he and his father are one. Jesus said that whoever knows him knows his father. That whoever honors him honors his father. Jesus said, he who has seen me has seen the father. There is a important dialogue in John chapter 8 and I would love to read it to you but suffice it for me to say this in John chapter 8 dialogue there shows us that Jesus and the father are equal in authority judgment works honor in essence Jesus is God Luke chapter 2, verse 11. The angel says to the shepherds that are out there in the fields watching their flocks by night. Hopefully not too cold. Today is born unto you in the city of David, Christ the Lord. Christos Kurios. He ascribes the angel of to him the highest of names, Messiah Lord. Joseph, we're going to hear about him later on this month. But um, Joseph receives a special uh, messenger. And, and in this message that this messenger brings, he tells them that... Uh, you shall call his name Emmanuel. God with us. Paul, as he wrote to our friend Timothy, says to him in 3.16 regarding God's essence, he says that God was manifest in the flesh. This is 
at the heart of the Christian message. This child in the manger was God. Now, if no one has ever said it to you clear enough, and you are sitting in this room today, I want you to understand that I can say it a little louder. I can say it repetitively, but honestly, I cannot say it any clearer. This child in the manger is God. I don't know what emotions are stirring up in your heart at this moment. I don't know what thoughts are running through your mind at this moment. But perhaps know that even those who were his greatest adversaries, even they came to the conclusion that he presented himself as God. John chapter 10, verse 31 to 33. Let me read to you this little passage, conversation that he has with scribes and Pharisees. The Jews picked up stones again to stone him. Now, I don't understand if you don't understand what that means. That means they didn't like him. You ever threw a stone at anyone? Do not answer that question. It might incriminate you. They picked up stones. Jesus then, right, next. Jesus answered them, I have shown you my good works from the Father. For which of them are you going to stone me? Now, that's all just Jesus saying, I've only done good among you. I say I come from the Father. So what is it that you want to stone me for? What, what, what wrong have I done? Oh, they, 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 they had a wrong. Watch. Jesus, uh, Jesus, the Jews answered him, It is not for a good work that we are going to stone you. But that does, that, what that means is they're saying, Yeah, okay, you've done some fancy stuff. You know, you pulled a few cards out of your sleeve. That's, they're not saying he didn't ever do anything. It is not for a good work that we are going to stone you, but for blasphemy. They're saying, you have blasphemed. Oh, and how have I blasphemed? Because you, being man, make yourself God. Do you understand that? His enemies understood that he was making himself to be God. No wonder they hung him on a cross. This is Christmas. It is probably one of the most frustrating seasons for me, as well as a very good season. Why is it frustrating? Well, because every Christmas, less and less, I hear that it is about Jesus being born in a manger. And I hear more about Father Christmas and about, um, you know, these uh, 
presents and reasons to go out and get drunk. And we have forgotten what happened in that manger. And it's bad enough that we forget what it's about. But now we have even taken away his nature and his essence and said, oh, he was just a man. His enemies didn't think he was a man. Well, at least they said he thinks he's God. He's going about saying he's God. Do you know that wasn't the only time he did that? Or the only time that they perceived that? Remember the story of a man that was brought by his buddies uh, to a healing section of Jesus? And uh, they came through the roof, opened up the roof, and lowered him in front of him. Remember that? Do you remember what Jesus said when he saw the man? He said, first, first, he said, your sins are forgiven. That was the first thing he said. Your sins are forgiven. And the religious people that were gathered there, the leaders, oh, they had a conniption. Remember, I told you what that word conniption means. It's in a very American expression. You, you need to put that in your... You know, they had a tizzy. What? He can't forgive sins. Only God can forgive sins. Right? Remember that? What did Jesus say? So that you know that I have authority to forgive sins. I say unto you, looked at the man, rise up, take up your bed and walk. Because you can say to someone, I, can, I forgive your sins, but do you have the power? Jesus says, yeah, let me show you. Get up and walk. I don't understand why we as Christians do not fight for that truth. Why we cower every time someone says to us, oh, he was just a man. He was, he was a good man. He was a prophet. Um, he was the son of God. And like, that's like they bring us right up to the edge. Like he was the son of God. But psh, stop. Don't, no more than that. Please, folks. Understand. If he wasn't God, he wasted his time. We waste our time. This is a way of time because if he wasn't God that cross was not good enough not good enough you are celebrating not the birth of God obviously you are celebrating the day God came into this world as a man in the most humblest of possible ways to show you how much he loved you. To show you how much he loved you. Do not cower and say, when someone says he was just a man, he was just the son of God. Folks, raise up your voice. And if you can't explain it, if you can't prove it, Still raise up your voice and say, no, he was God. I can't explain it, but I know someone who can. And there's a book called the Bible. But stop giving territory to the enemy. We are celebrating Emmanuel, God with us.
no less. No less. Christmas is a time to accept and receive the biblical truth that this child in the manger is God incarnate. Is he your God? Is the question to be asked. And remember this. If you say yes, I will remind you that Yahweh said he would share his throne with no one else. So if you say he is your God, you can have no other gods before him. Do you have doubts that Jesus is God? Then you need to answer those doubts. And we're glad to share the scriptures with you. That's what we're here for. Is he then your savior? Scripture says there is no greater name given among men whereby we must be saved. There is no other option. With all of what that implies, I recognize and realize how utterly unacceptable that is in today's world. But if I change my message, then I change scripture and I ought to change my job. There is no greater name. So do you doubt that he can save you? Have you looked at your life, set up, done so many wrong things? I've done so many wrong things. Can he really save me? That was answered in a passage in Isaiah where God says, Come now, let us reason together. Though your sins are scarlet, they shall be as wool, as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. No sin so horrible, no sinner so big that he will not receive. He came for one purpose, folks. He didn't come so we could celebrate Christmas and give ourselves gifts and put up lights and have Christmas dinners. As much as all of that is fun. He came to save sinners. Of which I was. He came to save sinners. That is Christmas, folks. I grew up in a culture where we honor the baby Jesus. But he just stays a baby. He just kind of like always is a baby. And then they tell us a few months later about him dying on a cross and how he died for the whole world, for the sins of the whole world. And at the end, it just never really clicks. We call that, we have a name for that. Do you know what that name is? Religion. I hope you're not trusting on religion. 
He came to save sinners. Well, we'll talk about more things that define his greatness next week. For now, let us stand and close in prayer. Father, thank you for the season. It's our time to remember, Lord. It's our time to honor you. It's our time to say thank you. It's our time to shout that his name would be called Jesus because he will save people from their sin. Yeshua, the Savior. And Father, if there is anyone in this room who still has not quite understood who you are, who has not surrendered their hearts to the saving power of Jesus, I pray you will speak to their hearts that this would be a very wonderful, wonderful Christmas as they come to know you in a personal way. Thank you, Father, for your word and its clarity. We thank you in Jesus, the Savior's name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the ministry of the International Christian Assembly, a ministry of AMG Spain and AMG International. For more information, please visit our website at www.icatorrevieja.org. This audio file is not copyrighted.